Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous to your contracts, they said, What the f are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass? So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. I interviewed my first guest this afternoon in the summer of 2013 when she told me about her two boys, Harry and Gavin, who were both born with autism and ADHD. Little did I or anyone else know then that Trish Flood was carrying a long-held secret of abuse at the hands of a close family relative. She's with me on Late Lunch today to tell her story and I'm very grateful that she's joining me again. Trish, you're very welcome to the show. Thanks, Jerry. Thank you very much for joining me. Can I just context you and who you are? You were born in London, yes? Yes, I was born in London and my family moved back to Ireland in 1977. I would have been in about five or six. Um, so they had worked in London since the 50s, like a lot of Irish people. And then they came back to make a, make a home back home. Um, so I spent my formative years, if you like, in Navan. Um, until we left when I was 14 because of the last recession. <laughs> oh, not another one. And there have been several, even in my lifetime. Yeah. But that was the time your dad, there was no work here. Yeah. So London beckoned again and there was a familiarisation from the family point of view there. You had a, no issues in childhood here growing up in Navin. You loved it? Yeah, I loved it. I was a very happy kid. Um, you know, we had a lot of freedom that time, a lot more than a child would have now going off on your bike or whatever. So... Yeah, I loved it. And I loved primary school. I had, you know, I was very happy here. Mm. So off you go to London. Was that a, a shock to the system? You were quite young when you came here at five, ten years spent here. You had all your friends and network here. Was it tough going there and reacclimatizing again to a big city? It was, but I was excited about it because obviously Navin was quite small then mm. um, in comparison to now. And, you know, everyone thought of London as this big fancy sparkling place where so much was going on so I was um, I was excited to go somewhere new and my brothers already had moved over there and we had quite a bit of family over there as well so Mm. yeah I you know I was happy enough going Yes going over and you got back into school and started to establish friendships over there as well. How many are in your family? How many brothers sisters have you? I have two brothers Okay and yourself? And myself Jim and John they're eight years older than me they're twins Okay, and uh, so they were there and then there's yourself. <laughs> yeah. So over you go and you're getting back into the run of things in the UK. Um, this man, this if I can call him a man, that was a family relative of yours, Frank Forte. Yeah. Um, did you know him before you moved to London? No, I didn't. He, he had been apparently in our house in Navan when I was very young. Um, but I didn't remember him, to be honest. OK. And did he just arrive one day to the house to say hello? How did he re-establish contact with your family? Well, where we lived, um, he lived very close by. He was literally five minute walk away. 
So uh, he would have been my dad's sister's son. And he, uh, yeah, he just started coming around, inviting us around, stuff like that. Mm. Um, so, you know, I was, I didn't know anyone. I obviously just landed, didn't know a single person. Um, I wasn't in school yet until the September because we moved in July. Um, so he kind of very quickly, as you uh, you know, made it, made out that he was kind of taking me under his wing type of thing. Okay, from the start over there. Yeah. So what did he do? Did he take you out? Did he bring you gifts? What did he do? He um, he would take me out, take me over to his house. Um, now, in this, this, at the start, it was all fine. You know, he would he would take me to places, um, you know, local nature spots, stuff like that. And just talk to me. He talked to me like I was an adult. So, you know, when you're 15 and someone treats you like an adult, you're automatically going to think, oh, this is great. Like, mm. Um, so it started off with him just, you know, getting me to trust him. And then it started with the comments about my weight at the time. Um, so he would use that as a way to try and undermine me and make me feel bad about myself, which worked. Um, so he started to take me to the gym. We took me to the gym a few times, um, which, you know, I really didn't want to go and it wasn't my thing at all but he used that um my supposed weight at that time to um you know to make me f- to get gain control of me mm. basically i see your picture from back yeah, then you, you had no weight i know i tell you i found that picture it was actually uh, probably around the time i was looking for stuff that would be used in court and i just looked at it and i said people were queuing up to tell me how fat i was and I wasn't fat at all when I like I am now. But when I looked at them, I, I was like, this is ridiculous. Like mm. it was totally unfounded. There was nothing wrong with me. But yet he he really played on that. And, you know, the psychological, you're not good enough. But but, you know, I'll spend time with you anyway. And you should count yourself lucky type mm. of thing. When did the abuse start? Um, It started just after my 15th birthday. So I had... That was in August, the end of August. Um, and then I started school in September into the new school. So very quickly after that, it started. OK. Mm-hmm. And what did he do to you? Um, he did but uh, just about everything, to be honest with you. Um, he, what we went to court with, the problem was, you see, because it was 1986, he had to be tried under the law in 1986. Um, and the law surrounding, um, you know, sleeping with an underage person went back to the 1950s. So it wasn't very good law. So um, there were four counts of what I would say were very serious offences and they couldn't be taken forward because of this law thing. It wasn't covered off in that law? No, it wasn't because it was such an old law. Mm. And then um, the other four would come under um, indecent assault. So touching, you know, that sort of stuff. Yes. Um, inappropriate. All type, that type of all stuff. All that type of stuff. Did yeah. he have full sex with you? Yes, he did. But he was never tried for that. Although the jury were told. Mm. They were told about all everything that went on. And then they were told, well, you can't actually bring these four forward. You can only bring the, 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 the other four. When this happens... You know, for somebody that has not an understanding of this, and I put my hands up, I I haven't. Do you not go to your parents or go to somebody straight away and tell them? 
Probably some people would, um, but I knew if I went to my parents, they would be devastated. It would have broken them completely. And I don't think I would have been believed by, you know, the, the law at the time. It was very different in the 1980s. A lot of things were considered acceptable that wouldn't be acceptable now and never should have been. Um, I wouldn't have had the confidence. I wouldn't. I was emotionally destroyed. Um, I don't think I could have got through it if I had have told then. So I just had to internalise it and hang on to it. How long did it go on for? It went on, um, we said at court, because we do, obviously you don't have exact dates and times, so we said between September 1986 and January 1987. Um, so those, you know, that was the time period mm. we agreed on, because you don't have to have exact Yes, but it did like. stop. It did stop, yes. Why did it stop? Um, he was afraid of getting caught. Um, you know, the area that he lived in, he would have been well known. And he was, you know, he didn't try hugely to cover up what was going on. And I think he just um, felt right. If I don't, do, I'm going to get caught, basically. Mm. And also, obviously, I, I felt at the time that I loved him. Because I was 15, I didn't know any better. And, you know, I was, want, you know, wanting to be more of a, I don't know, a relationship, you could say. Um, and I think he was trying to pull back from that as well because he knew it would end with him not doing well out of it. Yeah, because you were a minor at that stage. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was 15. So that's what you believed, that he was someone that, that could possibly be a future here for you. And naively you believed that. Yeah. When, when it stopped... How did you feel? I was devastated. I was absolutely, I can't even describe how I felt. I felt like I had no one, I had no one I could tell. I was literally a basket case. I don't know how I lived through it. When I did counselling, the counsellor said, you you know, you lived through that and you survived it. Did you tell the counsellor? I told the counsellor everything, yeah. I went to Rian in Navan. So this was years, years later? Yeah, years later. You, you didn't recently. do anything because I know you lived in the UK up till you were about 30 years of age. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And you didn't do all those years, nothing. No. Did you tell anybody? I told one of my brothers, but I made him swear not to tell. And he didn't tell. because, And I, I'm glad he didn't because I wouldn't have been able to cope with it at, until I came to a point where I was able to do it. To say this yourself yeah. and pinpoint this awful, awful person. Yeah. Um. So you held it with you all these years. Did you ever come... I, I, I take it he drifted away when, when this ended yeah. uh, with, with you yeah. and you didn't see much of him again. Did you ever see anything of him before you came back to Ireland when you were 30 years of age? Um, before I came back to Ireland, I saw him, you know, I'd see him once or twice in the street, but I'd just try and, you know, I just... I feel so ashamed and horrible. Um, Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact... 
you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. That I, I couldn't cope with it. But I did see him when I moved back to Ireland, when I first met my now husband, we were watching TV and there was this prison thing called Bad Girls. And ironically, he was... Um, doing a bit part of a prison officer and we were watching it and I burst into tears and Don said what's what's wrong what's going on um so I told him at uh, that point yeah watching point. a tv program yeah. here you told yeah, it, your husband it just triggered me seeing his face like that I just you know I was so upset and he was like what's wrong I he didn't know what to do so I told him and he's always been very supportive of me I'm very lucky you know, he says, you do what you, whatever you need to do, you do it. Trish, you're watching Bad Girls with your husband and there he is and it all flows out. Now, that's a few years ago. Yeah. A couple of years ago, because this case against this man, uh, you eventually broke your silence. You decided to come out and tell the world what he'd done to you. Why did you do it a couple of years ago? Um, I had been in counselling for about seven years. Um Originally, I was referred just for, you know, general counselling. And then when this when I told the counsellor, I was referred to Rianne and Navin and they are fantastic. Um, we spent, I'd say, a few years going through all of this, sorting everything out in your head. And it came to a point where it's either right, I'm going to do something or I'm going to have to put it behind me. And I couldn't put it behind me. So I had to do something. You decided to go public and that's a big, big decision to make because, you know, you're probably thinking about the way people look at you. Then, you know, because you've reported this and it goes to the Metropolitan Police in England, they take up the case and, you know, you're going to have to give evidence in court. Yeah, um, it's very scary. Um, I have to say they tried their best to prepare me um, the police in the UK. They arranged for me to visit the Central Criminal Court here to look at a court because I'd never been in one in my life. Um, I wasn't really prepared for what was going to be said in court and the humiliation of it and the viciousness of it. Um, it was It's awful. You know, they no holds barred. Um, tried to paint you out to be a liar, a fantasist. Uh, my whole family was dragged into it. My brothers, my parents, who are both dead, um, were brought up in court. Um, it was horrible. The first trial was absolutely horrible, but I got through it because of my my family gave me a lot of support, and my husband obviously, and my autism mummy friends. Yes, were there as ever. And you mentioned you see one trial because at the first trial he was convicted on one count. Yes, but they weren't happy with that. Uh, the the authorities in in the UK they wanted you to 
go again. You had to go into court and you agreed to it a second time. Yeah, I was given the choice because it was a hung jury. Um, I The choice was mine to go back or not. So I said, yep. Yeah. Uh, the police officer said, most people give up at this point, but I don't think you will. I said, no, I won't. So when you <laughs> went for a second time. Yeah. Second time round, there was no doubt. They uh, reached a conclusion in a matter of hours yeah. after the, the case finished and he was convicted on all counts. On all four counts then, yeah. So he had to What age is he now? 66. How many years did he get? He got six years, but he has to do four at least. And he'd be released then, I presume, with one of these tags on him, yes? Yeah, he was actually on a tag in between the two courts because he'd obviously been a convicted sex offender. So he had to wear a tag and he wasn't allowed to be around children on his own and all those conditions. Um, so he will, if, if he behaves himself in prison... He will be allowed to do the last two years on licence, but that's a big if. Mm. How did you feel when the verdict was announced at that second trial? Uh, I can't. My legs, my my whole body went to jelly, to be honest with you. I was on the phone because obviously I just went in, did my bit because I was behind the screen and then I had to leave because you can't go behind the screen and and then sit in an open court. So I answered the phone and Lauren said... He's been unanimously found guilty on all three plus the other one. So that's four. And I said, oh, I just said, oh, Lauren, I didn't know what to say. I was so relieved. I can't explain. It was just unbelievable. It was massively powerful feeling. Um, And then I was ringing everyone and it was just unreal. It was such a happy time. How do you feel about this man? Do you hate him? I do. I might as well be honest. Yes, yes I do hate him. I, I hate him and I hate anybody like him that would do that to somebody. That leads me to another point. Do I take it that this is the reason why you did all this? You did it for yourself, of course, yeah. because you couldn't carry this any longer. Yeah. And you have a freedom now, yeah. may I say, because of what you've done. Yeah. And I have such admiration for you. And I'm oh, sure so many people have. Yeah. But you want to talk about this because you want to bring this into the public domain because when you look at the, the stats, very few people do what you do. Yeah, very few. I looked on, on uh, One in Four's website. Um, less than 15% of people who are abused come forward. Of those, a small number get to court and of those in an even smaller number get sentenced or found guilty. And I think that's just, it's disgraceful, you know. There's such a taboo still in this country about sexual abuse and we need to have conversation about how we're going to make this easier for people. It's never going to be easy. It's a nightmare going into court, I might as well tell you. You know, you're going to be torn to shreds, but you have to stay strong. Don't let them beat you and keep going. Like I had the second trial, I would have gone to 10 trials because once I decided I was doing it, I was doing it. And I had my best friend, Carol Lennon, with me, who was fantastic support. So you need to, you need your supports, your family and friends on board. You need to, you know, the local Garda station. I went to Navin to report mine because um, they sent it through Interpol. They were brilliant. Mm. They couldn't have been nicer and more helpful. Um, so it is, it's human, it's horrible. It's just, you know, they do... They, they, the whole thing is designed to make you feel like you're telling lies and that you you can't be trusted. So you have to almost detach yourself from it. Mm. Um, but it's worth it. 
in the end. The yeah. other thing is, I, I asked you back a few moments ago who you told. Yeah. Right. And you mentioned you had counselling. You mentioned your brother as well. And a big, a deep effect I know on your brother. He felt yeah. shock and guilt, didn't he? That he'd held it for all these years as well. He did. I had to have a conversation with him, myself and Carol. He was very upset that he didn't do anything. And I said, I told you, I didn't want you to do anything. And the only person who's guilty of anything is Frank Forte. You hold absolutely no guilt on this. And you could just see him kind of relaxing. Yes, he was was, so relieved to hear those words. The other thing is, ironically, by telling him and telling the counsellor, there was a timeline there that was a significant factor in the case. Yeah, absolutely. Anybody that you ever spoke to about it who is willing to come forward, um, it will be a real help. It doesn't matter how long ago um, they my brother was asked what I said to him mm. and they had to be very careful around not putting words into people's mouths. Um, but the whole timeline thing is very important. Um, and also little details. What was the room? What was the colour of the room? Where were you? Was it day? Was it night? So it's just adding up all these little facts and taking them to him and seeing what he says. And uh, yes, that's it, basically. That's it. Lovely message. The message is coming in for you. I'll just read this one here. I'll pick it out. Hello, Jerry. I was with Trish in counselling when she decided to go ahead with this. She's a powerhouse of a woman, an amazing lady. That's love from M this afternoon coming in to you. And we're oh, getting other messages as well. If you'd care to comment, 086-1800-658 by text or WhatsApp, or you can call in on 1850-715-958. We can't underestimate this. You have a freedom now. You're relieved. This heavy weight is lifted. But it has, it has had an enormous fe- effect on your life. It has. It was very difficult. There were times when I wanted to give up. And, you know, I obviously the people around me said, no, you know, we'll look after you for the, you know, be upset and then come back the next day and fight again. Um, So it wasn't easy. It isn't easy. It's it's horrible, but it's it has to be done to get where you want mm. to go with it. Those dark days are behind you now. And yeah. you had dark days. You oh, yeah. You questioned yourself, didn't you? You questioned your being. Yeah, I did. Like he was vehemently denying everything from day one. He said that I was a fantasist, that I wanted to be with him, all this absolute rubbish. And you you think, God, you know, he was this, he had a, a phone in his car in 1986, which will show you the type of person he was mm. when there were no phones in cars. And it was made out that I wanted money from him in some way at 15. Like, what was I going to do with it? Absolute nonsense. And yeah. part of the barrage you've told us already about, yeah. you had to face you're some woman for one woman, let me say. You really are. And it's not easy, I know, to do what you did, but you have. And if you want to read about Trish, uh, she's front page in the Mead Chronicle as well this week, her story in detail, and in the National Press, of course, as well. I thank you very much for coming into us on Late Lunch today to talk about this. Thanks, Trish Flood, Jerry. thanks a million. Thank you. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com.